Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today, which is October 28th, 2020. We're going to have a lot of fun today. We're going to be talking with Jackie Lynch, and she's the author of a new book. It's called The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish. Lots and lots of women go through menopause, and it can be trying at times. But Jackie's going to take us through. She's a registered nutritional therapist, and she's the founder of a Well Well Nutrition Clinic in Notting Hill, London. And her specialty is women's health and menopause. So let's bring her on our show now. We're honored to have you calling us from London today. Hi, Denise. Thanks for having me on the show. We're very excited that you're here because we have a lot of listeners that want to know what you have to say. (laughs) Tell us, first of all, how did you get on this path? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I wasn't always a a nutritional therapist. I had a big corporate job working in international sales and marketing, and um, I changed all of that, went back to school, which was about, oh goodness me, uh, that was in 2006, so 14 years ago. Went back to school, studied for four years, and qualified as a nutritional therapist in 2010, and then um, set up my clinic from there. That's really great, really, really great. Going back to school is not easy. (laughs) Oh, do you know, it wasn't. It was quite a revelation, though, because... I, as an adult, I think you learn quite differently, and one of the things that I realized was that whereas, you know, when you're in high school, you might be nervous about asking questions, you don't want to look stupid in front of other people, um, I'd lost all of that, which was great, because my my original degree was French, and I had to spend a year getting up to speed with the sciences, um, so I had to do a foundation year of chemistry, biology, and anatomy and physiology. And I remember being terrified walking into the first chemistry class because I'd stopped the sciences as early as I could at school. Um, Uh But the great thing was being an adult meant that, um, and the fact that I was paying for it too, uh, meant that I I didn't have any qualms about asking the teacher to explain again, oh, and then again if I still didn't understand. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it is great. Um, I went. I went back to uh, college as well. So oh, I was in there with. Uh huh. Yeah, I got um, another degree in 217, and 
communications and journalism. So wow, it was that's amazing. It was yeah, and it was so great. I mean, just so very very great. And I have such great friends in their twenties. <laughs> So, the happy menopause. What are you going to tell us about this? (laughs) Well, um, the reason I wrote the book is that, as you mentioned earlier, I specialize in women's health and the menopause in my nutrition clinic. And it was becoming really clear to me that there's just not enough information out there for women. And it's a really... transitional time of life that can go on for years and there's so much that diet and lifestyle can do to actually help you have a healthy and a happy menopause that I just wanted to to get that information out there just really to empower women because I think it's you know a lot of the time during this phase women don't really know what's going on with their own bodies don't know what they can do about it feel frightened anxious angry at times and I wanted to sort of give them solutions so that they could actually look and think, well, how can I change things? What can I actively do about the way I live my own life to actually make this a positive experience? So what did you find? What were women the most um, receptive to changing? Well, I think I think a lot of things, really, because... You know, when you get de- desperate, then you're willing to make a lot of big changes. And, you know, with diet, diet, food is a really emotional thing. You know, we all have a very passionate relationship with food, whether we love it, whether we hate it. You know, we all have strong views on it. And I think that whatever people come to see me about, whether it's about hormonal issues in the menopause or whether, you know, it's for weight management or digestion or whatever it might be, unless they're truly motivated to make those changes, it doesn't matter how much I suggest or advise or recommend because ultimately it has to come from you. So the first thing that, that you know, I observe is that the, the women who sort of make the most progress are the ones who are actually prepared to put the time and effort in because it's not, it's not like having a massage where I do all the work. Um, this is where you know I give you the advice, but you've got to go out and do it. So I think the first big hurdle is actually having that motivation and wanting to make those changes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what do you recommend they do first? Oh, well, um, there's probably one big thing to be focusing on, which is looking at how to regulate and manage stress. Because stress really is the the enemy of the menopause. And the problem is that midlife, my goodness me, it is probably the most single stressful time of a woman's life. Because, you know, if for working women, you've probably got more responsibility at work. You'll be juggling that with um, family life. If you have kids, then there's probably that fabulous clash of the hormones in the household where you know, menopause meets puberty. Or maybe the kids have left and gone to college and you've got empty nest syndrome and you're worrying about them. Uh, possibly there's elderly parents in the picture because, you know, we're called the sandwich generation and, you know, because we're sandwiched between looking after the young ones and looking after the old ones. Uh And then the uh big thing that happens here is that um, with the decline in those reproductive hormones, 
this headspace for new things because you know we women have been driven by those hormones since we were teenagers and we are programmed and hardwired to nurture because it's all about that sort of reproductive process but once they start to decline suddenly there's a whole lot of headspace which means that a lot of women in midlife are questioning things and thinking well you know am i in the right job am i in the right relationship is this how i want to live my life how do i want to take things forward um so you put all of that in the mix and that's one big soup full of stress um uh-huh. so the first thing we've got to look at is is how to regulate stress because the higher your levels of stress hormones um the worse your your menopause symptoms are going to be huh wonder where that is. Well, it's because they interfere with Mother Nature's backup plan. So I think it's really important to remember that the menopause is not a medical condition. Yeah, this is not suddenly some new disease uh, that's hit us all in the 21st century. Um, women have been going through the menopause for millennia. And so, of course, there was a plan. I mean, our body, our body is a proper high-performance machine. It's so clever. And so... Of course, there was always going to be uh, something that would take over. So as the ovaries stopped producing the sex hormones, the adrenal glands, which are two small peanut-shaped glands that sit just above the kidneys, they're programmed to produce small amounts of estrogen post-menopause to keep us fit and well. The problem is that the adrenal glands also produce our stress hormones. And so if you're in a state of constant stress, then your adrenal glands will constantly be pumping out those stress hormones. And the estrogen won't even get a look in because when it comes down to it, the body sees it this way. Stress hormones can save your life. So, of course, they will be prioritized. Um, So, of course, that's what happens. You know, the estrogen doesn't get a look in. Stress hormones are pumping out. And so your hot flushes, your anxiety, your headaches, your fatigue, your vaginal dryness, your joint pain, and all the other millions of symptoms that you can get are all going to be a lot worse because you haven't got the estrogen there. Ah, okay, that makes sense. It's kind of like the oil of the body. Mm. That's absolutely right. So the, to answer your question, and that was a really long answer, but to answer your question, um, the first thing I talk to women about is how diet and lifestyle can really help to support and regulate the body's response to stress. Because we can't wave a magic wand and get rid of the stress. I uh, wish I could, because goodness, that would make me a millionaire. But um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all about making you more resilient so that you know you're still facing all this stuff you've got to deal with, but you think you know your body feels equipped to deal with it, so that you think, oh, this is a bit stressful, but I'm okay, as opposed to, oh my God, I'm totally freaking out. So, uh-huh. and diet can do a lot of that. Diet can really help to support those adrenal glands so that they manage stress more effectively. So that's the first big thing I look at. And what type of diet? Okay. So it's um, Nutrition 101 when it comes to stress management is uh, balancing your blood sugar because every time your blood sugar crashes, your body releases stress hormones. So let's have a little look at blood sugar for a second just to sort of explain the basic biochemistry. 
uh, our bodies are programmed to keep levels of sugar in the blood in a very narrow band. And if it goes above or below that, either way, it creates a state of emergency. So things that make your blood sugar go up, unsurprisingly, sugar, sugary foods, cakes, cookies, chocolate, for example, um, also refined carbohydrates, so white bread, white rice, white pasta, simple carbohydrates, things like fruit juices or jams, and then, of course, stimulants, things like caffeine, alcohol, nicotine. All of these will disrupt what's going on with blood sugar in the body. And too much of this stuff and insulin's released. Now, insulin's a hormone, and its job is to clean all that sugar out of the blood, send it off to the liver to be stored. Now, the liver's big, it's about the size of a small um, rugby ball, but it can only take so much. So if you've been really packing away the cookies or the muffins or whatever, um, then any excess sugar will be stored as fat. So it's important to remember that every time your blood sugar spikes, you're encouraging your body to lay down fat stores. And weight gain is a big issue for a lot of women in, in, in midlife. So that's you know a little uh-huh. aside, but worth remembering. Now, because it's an emergency response, it doesn't carefully calculate how to get you back to that nice narrow band. It just hoovers up the whole lot. So in a short space of time, uh, blood sugar's crashed. You're feeling tired, irritable, shaky, headachy, dizzy, and absolutely desperate for something. And it's always for something sugary or carby, maybe a cup of coffee, maybe a glass of wine, but it's something that your body instinctively knows will give you that quick fix. And the reason for that is that the stress hormones have come out, adrenaline and cortisol. And of course, you know, it's dangerous for us not to have enough sugar in the blood. So they freak out because they think, well, sugar's the primary source of energy. You know, Jackie won't have the strength to fight or to run. So cortisol does a couple of things. It sends a message to the, to the liver asking it to re-release those sugar stores into the bloodstream, and it sends a message to the brain creating the craving. And as I said, you know, it's never for a green salad, is it? Always for that quick fix, that carby, sugary fix. So, of course, it's yeah. a double whammy. The liver uh-huh. releases the sugar stores that you obligingly stuff something in, and so in a short space of time, blood sugar spiked. You're feeling okay, but in the background, insulin saying... I don't think so. And so the whole process starts again. So you can see how the background to your day can be these highs and lows of blood sugar. And every time your blood sugar crashes, out come the stress hormones, and they'll be interfering with estrogen production. Oh, it's a terrible thing, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, and the thing is, it happens to all of us. I mean, I'm sure everything I've, I've mentioned just there, um, most people listening will think, oh, I know those crashes, because we've all had them. So the trick, because uh-huh. you want to know what the answer is, really, <laughs> you've heard the bad news, what's the good news? So <laughs> the good news is you can fix it. So first of all, uh, the first nutrient to think about is complex carbohydrate. So basically fiber, so brown stuff, brown bread, brown rice, brown pasta, all those whole grains. Oats are a good source of fiber. Vegetables, fantastic source of fiber. So think about having... Um, fiber constantly it's slow release the body will burn through it much more slowly it'll help to keep that blood sugar balanced but the secret weapon in all of this is protein now protein is hard to digest so it slows down the release of the carbohydrate keeps you going even longer 
So with protein foods, I'm thinking of things like meat, fish, or eggs, for example, or the plant proteins, you know, lentils, chickpeas, beans, soya, quinoa, nuts, and seeds. So a combination, if, if you don't remember anything else from what I'm saying, remember this, a combination of protein and fiber with every meal and snack Keep your blood sugar balanced throughout the day. It'll stop the spikes that could lead to weight gain. It'll stop the crashes that will release the stress hormones and disrupt your sex hormones. Ah, very good. Very, very good advice. So it's simple stuff, but... um, that's the beauty of it because it's things that you can make happen. So it doesn't mean you've got to start eating chicken with your breakfast, for example. You just use a different form of protein. So yeah, maybe you could have an egg on whole grain or rye toast, or maybe you could add a big spoon of chopped nuts or seeds to your morning cereal. So you know, if you're a toast person, maybe think about unsweetened, yes, I said unsweetened, peanut butter um, on whole grain toast. So stick with whatever is your normal breakfast, but just sort of ramp it up so that you've got the, the, the fibrous version of whatever it is you, and adding in that protein. So it, it doesn't need to be complicated. Uh, I know a, a lot of people like smoothies. In the morning, you know, they, they have a mix of vegetables and fruits and maybe some protein powders. Mm, they do. Got to be slightly careful about smoothies, um, delicious though they are, because, you know, if you're not careful, you're going to be just drinking your sugar instead of eating it. Um, a lot of people, I find, put a lot of fruit in their smoothies. You know, if you're putting three or four different fruits in your smoothie, then, you know, that's a bucket load of sugar that's going on there. So it will be spiking your blood sugar straight away. So when you're thinking about smoothies, I'd be thinking about, you know, a ratio of something like three veg to one fruit. You don't really need more fruit than that to add to add the sweetness. So perhaps, you know, a combo of uh, spinach, avocado, cucumber, and half a banana. That's the kind of thing I'd be thinking of, or, or an apple instead, or some berries. And then, yes, adding in that um, uh, a protein powder, a pure protein powder would be a great thing, or some ground flaxseed, which I'm a big fan of. Um, or, you know, you could use something like a soya milk or a, a Greek yogurt, which would thicken it, but also uh, add lots of protein. So making sure that protein's going into the smoothie as well would be important. Okay. Good to know. Very good to know. Have you found that uh, your clients experience menopause in the same way? No, definitely not. I mean, no two women have the same experience. And that's one of the things that makes it so difficult at times because I think you can feel quite alone with it all. Um, The symptoms are many and varied and Typically, the first of the symptoms to start are the emotional and psychological symptoms, and they can often happen much earlier than you expect. You know, as early as you know, our early 40s, stuff's going on in the background that we're not really aware of. And huh. as things progress, the first hormone to start dropping is actually progesterone, and that's the one that determines a lot of the cognitive issues, um, the psychological, the emotional issues. So this is where women might be feeling anxious, angry, uh, emotional, tearful, lose their confidence, get brain fog, poor memory. 
And it can be quite frightening because this is usually happening while your periods are still regular. So you're thinking, well, it can't be the menopause, and I'm far too young, and my periods are still regular. Because what most of us know about the menopause is that you get hot flushes and your periods stop. So if neither of those things are happening, but all this emotional, psychological stuff is, then women can get worried. You know, lots of women have said to me, gosh, I, I thought I had early onset Alzheimer's. So, you know, it's, those are things that can beca- become quite surprising. And then other symptoms can creep up, and it will be very different for, for different women. You know, some women will have m- many more problems with hot flushes and night sweats. That's when the estrogen issues start to kick in. Um, periods can go all over the place. Uh, for example, you might find that your periods become heavier and closer together rather than lighter and further apart, which is what you might have justifiably expected. Um, headaches, joint pain, digestive issues, dry skin. It, it affects lots of women in different ways, but for most of us, it's not all of these, so don't, don't panic. Um, it's usually you know, one or two that will affect you, but they could be very different from your, your sister, your mom, your best friend, um, because we all have different experiences. Although I would say that women who tend to be prone to issues of low mood, anxiety, depression, or um, severe PMS are more likely to be affected by these um, sort of psychological and emotional symptoms as as they transition through menopause. Are you a fan of um, hormone replacement therapy at all? Well, I think that Hormone replacement therapy is part, has to be part of the picture for some women. And when we have to remember that probably about 20% of women have a really very, very, very bad time. Um, there's another 20% who sail through it and, don't, and wonder what all the fuss is about. And then there's most of us sitting in the middle somewhere with you know, some but not all symptoms of varying severity at different times. Um, the ones who have it very, very severely may find that, you know, HRT, hormone replacement therapy, is really the only way forward. And I think that the most important thing here is that women are really aware of what the options are so that they, you know, uh-huh. they go and see their family doctor, they go and see their gynecologist, they understand sure. exactly what the options are. And understand what the benefits are, but also understand what the risks are in relation to their own personal uh, medical history, their family history, uh, and so on. And so I think that although my personal choice has been not to to use hormone replacement therapy, that's just it. It's my personal choice. It doesn't mean it's right for everybody. And I think the really important thing here is that women know what the options are about hormone therapy, but also what the options are around diet and lifestyle, and shouldn't be entrenched in either position. I think it's important to think about, find out about all of it, and then weigh it up and decide what's right for you. Don't assume that one thing will automatically be right for you and the other won't, or the reverse, because the chances are, you'll have, you know, it'll be very different. You can't predict how your menopause is going to be. Yeah, it's very true, and and everybody's uh, body chemistry is is so very different. It really is, yeah. What would you say, um, if most women, uh, they change their diet so they don't have their sugar spikes, 
uh, what else would would help them go through okay, the transition? So- yeah, I think there are lots of things you can do. The the first thing really is get those basics right, get the you know the protein, the fiber right. But I think there are a few things women need to be thinking about. Uh, the first thing is that the menopause is not the time for a radical, weird regime uh, where you suddenly start you know chucking out and eliminating major food groups. Uh, there's a, there's a, a sort of tendency to go radical because you want quick fixes and you're getting a bit desperate. Lots of women, for example, start to follow a very low-fat diet because they're worried about their weight and because they think that eating fat will make them fat. Now, biochemically, that's not really how it works. I mean, to be fair, eat enough of anything and you'll get fat, but the first thing that your body will use to create fat cells will be the carbohydrate through that blood sugar process I described earlier. So, you know, fat, if it wasn't called fat, we wouldn't all get so confused. The body uses fat um, uh, to do stuff. And the most important thing that fat does is create our sex hormones. Now, this is a time when we want the right balance of sex hormones. So having a very, very low-fat diet and, and stripping it out of everything is not going to help your cause. So I think women need to be thinking about that um, and focusing in particular on the essential fats, the omega-3s, which you'll find in things like oily fish, so mackerel, salmon, sardines, for example. Um, And probably the the best plant source of omega-3 is flaxseed. Now, flaxseed's got a bit of a, well, actually a quadruple whammy of brilliance. And what I would say is to every woman listening, really, is that, you know, you should put... um, a, a large spoon of ground flaxseed into your morning cereal or your your porridge or your um, smoothie or even stir it into a soup if you don't like to have cereals in the morning. But I think having flaxseed every day for most women is going to be really helpful. Now, that's partly because it's a great source of protein, so that ticks the blood sugar box. It's a great source of fiber, so that's a double tick, which means that that's that combo I was after earlier. It's also packed with omega-3. Now, we know that omega-3 supports heart health, and with the decline in estrogen um, post-menopause, then the risk of cardiovascular disease increases significantly for women. Um, then it's, that's, it helps with hormone balance, brain health, skin health, hair health. Um, and then the fourth thing we can think about with flaxseed is that Um, it's the single biggest source of lignans in the Western diet. And lignans are uh, plant compounds called phytoestrogens, which have a naturally hormone-balancing effect. They essentially mimic the action of estrogen in the body. So for women who are struggling with issues like hot flushes, having um, some flaxseed every day really could make a difference. Oh, that's great. Um, what useful. else could we think about? Um, well, back to the whole stress thing. I think probably my favorite mineral of all time, really, is magnesium. And it, it's it's really every menopausal woman's best friend because magnesium does so many jobs. In fact, if magnesium were a person, it would be a very busy midlife woman because it's got about <laughs> 300 different jobs to do every day. Yes, that's um, very true. So what does it do? It calms the nervous system. Uh, so really, if you're feeling that anxious, um, jittery sense that we can sometimes get, then magnesium can help with that. It regulates the body's response to stress. 
so that you feel it acts as a buffer, if you like, between you and the stress so that you can just deal with it calmly rather than um, getting very frantic and worried. Um, it also regulates muscle function, and tired, aching muscles are a big issue for some women going through the menopause. Um, things like, um, you know that little twitchy eyelid you can sometimes get? That's a classic sure. sign of magnesium deficiency. Um, and what else? It's, um, it helps with constipation, because one of its jobs around the muscles is to generate something called peristalsis, which is the contraction and relaxation of the bowel muscle as it pushes the stool through. So if you've got a bit of a sluggish bowel, then magnesium might help with that. Um, and it's our ignition key. We need, we need it to switch our internal engine on so that we produce energy. So if you are feeling tired all the time, and just basically operating on sheer willpower, then the chances are you're low in magnesium. So you'd find magnesium in things like leafy green vegetables, so spinach, um, arugula, kale, cabbage. A um, couple of handfuls of those every day, in, I'd say, would be a great shout for any woman going through the menopause. Um, what else do you find it in whole grains? So that's another reason for me having that fiber to balance your blood sugar. Brown rice in particular is a really good source of magnesium. What did you say it is? Brown that's rice. It's a good source? It's a really oh, good source rice. of magnesium. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Huh. Didn't know that. And I'm a big advocate of magnesium. Oh, yeah, no, I am a huge fan. So other things you could, you could be thinking about, um, the B vitamins are really important because they support the health of the adrenal glands so that they can manage that stress response a bit better. And B vitamins are all important to women in midlife because a deficiency in B vitamins, first of all, will make you very tired because they are the links in the chain reaction of energy production. So, you know, if you haven't got the B vitamins, then that chain reaction simply won't take place. Um, now, the other thing they play a key role in is mental health. And so deficiencies in certain of the B vitamins can affect things like memory, focus, concentration, um, Lack of B6, for example, can lead to low mood and depression. Um, vitamin B12 is key in all of this. It's, it's typically uh -huh. depleted by chronic stress. And when you're low in B12, you will be getting the brain fog, the loss of concentration, uh, the depression, and you will feel absolutely wiped out because we need vitamin B12 to make red blood cells. And without it, you can get a form of anemia. So again, really important for women in midlife. And the challenge with vitamin B12 is that um, it's only found in animal sources, so things like meat or fish or eggs. You cannot find it in plant foods. So if you only have a plant-based diet, then you will need to be thinking about supplementing vitamin B12. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious these days how much B12 you could even get out of meat, fish, or eggs, especially on a daily basis. You, do you mean that you think they contain less B12 than before? Yes. Yeah, probably. Well, I think... Just because I think, the, 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 they're, they're treated, 
you know, these days there's so many uh, chemicals that are in the meats and in the fish as a result of, you know, where they're sourced from, et cetera. Um, I'm just wondering on a daily basis if you could even get enough of it through well, meat, fish, or I mean, eggs that maybe need a My thought would be... Where, where possible to go for organic versions, really. I mean, I, I only eat organic meat myself. Um, uh, I only have organic yogurt. I wouldn't dream of, of, of not because I think, you know, these things are exposed to, you know, chemicals, uh, to hormones. Um, so unless you know the source, I mean, uh, I'm not quite sure what the regulations are over in the States, but it's actually very, very difficult here in the UK to get... Um, uh, organic status so some farms may well follow organic principles but haven't actually got the tick box and if there's a local farm to you that you know does that then that's that's a great thing but i think you know just not knowing quite where your meat's coming from or or what's in it is you know is a real issue and i think that by and large all of our foods these days are much less bioavailable than they used to be bioavailable means you know the, the levels of the vitamins and the minerals because you know intensive farming has really depleted our soils so the vegetables that we're eating now compared to the vegetables our grandparents ate have far fewer concentrations of of the minerals that we need and of course things travel um it's quite difficult to know i think these days what is actually in season um, because the supermarkets have everything all the time. Uh, and it's only when you look at the label that you realize it might have come from the other side of the world. And, of course, <laughs> when that's yeah. happened, it's been picked before it was ripe, so it hasn't, it hasn't achieved its full potential already. And then it's been stored, and then it's traveled. And over that period of time, it will gradually lose the, the levels of the vitamins and minerals in there. So by the time ah. it reaches your plate... It, there's not going to be you know, anything like as much as there would have been if you'd picked it straight from the stalk and eaten it. So there is, yeah. I think, a very real issue in general in relation to um, the, the nutritious levels in our foods. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you completely. Was there anything else that you'd like to add to our interview today? It's been absolutely excellent. Oh, well, thank you. That's great. Well, I think... Um, I think the message I'd like to get across to women really is that there is a lot of information there if you know where to look for it. Obviously, it's in my new book, but um, empower yourself to go and find it in all the places that, that will be available to you. you know, that there are some fantastic websites out there that you know, your family doctor will be able to give you the, the medical information that you want as well. So take the time to do that. But more important of all of this, I think, is to be kind to yourself because women drive themselves really hard. They are busy, busy, busy looking after everyone else except themselves. And I think this is your time. It's your time to really take care of yourself um, because if you do, that's going to help with the stress levels. So don't take on too much. Manage your schedule. Dare to say no. Start to factor in me time you know, at the weekends, make sure that, you know, you've got at least an hour every weekend day where you're doing something that is purely for you, 
not taking the kids out. I mean, you can take them out too, but do that separately. But whether it's you sitting down and playing your piano because you love it, whether it's you lying on your bed reading your magazine, whether it's a massage or walk in the woods, whatever it might be, do something that is purely for you and really help to sort of look after yourself. And if you find that difficult emotionally to think, well, I I just can't be so self-indulgent, remember that everyone's relying on you. So do it for that reason, because if you collapse, then everything else will fall apart. So if you need that as a motivation, use that. Oh, that that is a great way to end today. Thank you so much, Jackie Lynch, for joining us. I encourage all our listeners to to get her new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish. Where can they buy your book? Uh, it's available um, basically all good retailers. It's available on Amazon. It's available at Barnes & Noble and independent bookstores. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Keep up the great work that you're doing. As women, we all need it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. It's been great chatting to you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That wraps up our interview for today. Join us again next Wednesday. We'll have another wonderful, wonderful guest for you. And please, everybody, stay well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? 